Well, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for your amazing hospitality. Uh, Laura and I have had an amazing time here in Winnipeg uh, the last few days. And uh, for those of you who have been watching online or here in person, you were able to uh, see our workshop, and I'm so glad for that. I hope it was a help and an encouragement to you, and certainly a benefit for the church here. And uh, for those of you who haven't been watching and you're like, who is that man standing at the front of our church right now? Let me introduce myself. My name is Guy Hammond, and I am a uh, church minister, but also the executive director of this organization, uh, Strength and Weakness Ministries, an organization uh, that I started back in 2006. I won't belabor my story too much because most of you have heard it ad nauseum by now, but, you know, uh, there was a time in my life when my life was really in trouble, when my life was a train wreck. Uh, this is a picture of me when I was 19 years old. When that picture was taken, I was involving myself in all kinds of sin. And by then, I had had a boyfriend for several years, was actively involved uh, in participating in homosexuality. By the time I was 22 years old, just a few years after this picture was taken, uh, I had just crossed so many lines and done so many things that I never would have thought would have been possible uh, for me to do. By the time I was in my early 20s, I had acted out hundreds of times with different men and was steeped in a life of homosexuality and was completely lost and desperately needed intervention, desperately needed help, desperately needed somebody to step in and say, listen, uh, we can help you. But I didn't know where to go for that. Of course, in God's perfect timing, he sent somebody who invited me to church. And uh, I went to that church and took a couple of years, a couple of years of hearing the message, a couple of years for my heart to really soften. But uh, finally, I uh, decided by the age of 24 that I wanted Jesus uh, more than I wanted homosexuality. And I was baptized on August 15th, 1987, so 34 years ago. And I can tell you, I have not. Uh, I have not participated in any kind of homosexual activity since my conversion 34 years ago. Uh, but I'm still homosexually attracted. It's never changed. It's never altered. I don't know why God works the way he does. If I was God, I would do things very differently. But for whatever reason, God has been like, you know what, God, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness, and, uh, you know, I want you to be able to use this area of struggle and brokenness and weakness in your life to be able to go and help a few other people. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and, you know, it's just amazing what God's done over the years, because this is really not a story of anything good that Guy Hammond has done. As each of you, you know, we're all walking, breathing, living miracles. The fact that we were able to leave the life we were once living, and were brought into God's kingdom, covered by the blood of Jesus, with the promise of heaven, being able to live perfect lives in the spiritual realm, in God's economy, right, is just a miracle. So we're all miracles. And my story isn't any more spectacular than your story. Uh, before God, you know, it's an amazing thing what he's accomplished. Well, for me, I'll tell you, it's this, that God blessed me with the family. I Never could have imagined getting married and having a family, and yet God gave me a beautiful wife. Uh, you know, as I talked about in my workshop, it's true, I wasn't attracted to her the way a heterosexually attracted man would be, but uh, we had an amazing life together, and uh, Kathy and I raised four kids, or two kids we raised, two kids we adopted. But I love showing that picture because that's, that, that is a miracle to me, what God has done. Of course, as I explained uh, you know, over the last couple of days, Kathy was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2017 and uh, passed away a year later. But even then, you know, the miracles just continued in my life uh, and uh, wasn't uh, 
too long after Kathy passed away, actually with Kathy's permission, she knew she was dying, of course, and she really encouraged me to get married as fast as possible and even gave me a list of pre-approved names of women that she thought I could marry. And uh, one of the names on the list was a lovely woman by the name of Laura, and uh, Laura and I started dating. She had tragically lost her husband to cancer uh, right around the same time that my wife passed away. And so both Laura and I loved the Lord, loved the Bible, loved the church, but didn't want to live life alone. And so Laura and I got married, and uh, I'm so glad you had the opportunity to meet her uh, this weekend, and that she's here with me, and she helps me now uh, run this ministry uh, that I do, Strength in Weakness, and that's why we've been here, of course. So I would really encourage you to check out our uh, our website, our information. Uh, we're here to be a service to you. We want to really do everything we can to be a help and a service to the Lord's church. And when things come up and you feel like, man, we could use some perspective here, then we want to be able to uh, do that. But this ministry has certainly gotten a lot larger and, and has accomplished a lot more than we ever anticipated. We just thought we were going to try to help 20 or 30 people. Honestly, that was my goal. I had no intention or even could have imagined that the ministry would have grown to what it has become where we're helping thousands of people in over 70 countries around the world and, uh, you know, run it in three languages, English, Spanish, and Portuguese, and uh, run 14 support groups, and we're just helping a lot of people. Our biggest ministry is actually our parents' ministry, where we help parents of same-sex attracted uh, sons and daughters. And so if you ever feel like we'd be of assistance to you or help you in any way, uh, then, uh, you know, absolutely uh, please let us know. And... Uh, you know, I, maybe this is inappropriate for me even to say up here, and I hope it isn't. If it is, my apologies. But uh, just so you know, Laura and I just live on donations. If any of you are willing to support us, we're looking right now for uh, 10 people who'd be willing to give us $50 a month. Uh, you don't have to do that t- until Jesus comes back or anything, but if you did it for a year or two, that would be amazing. But we're not supported by any church. We quit our jobs to do this. And uh, we just live on donations. That's how we survive. And by doing stuff like this and selling our books. So if you're like, hey, listen, I believe in what you're doing. I think the Lord's church needs something like this. We're willing to, we'll give you 50 bucks. Then, hey, you know what? We'd be so grateful. You can also give more if you want. I mean, <laughs> we wouldn't turn that away either. Uh, also, I'll let you know that um, thank you for buying our books. I've written six books. We've sold out most of them at the back. But I will say we have a few copies of this. And uh, this book here is um, really to give language to the Lord's church on how to respond to pro-gay theology. This argument that you can be gay and a Christian, it's an absurd notion to me. It's unbelievable that so many churches are capitulating to this ridiculous idea that you can be involved in homosexuality and follow Jesus at the same time. We had a whole class on that yesterday, but that's what that book is about. And if you want to say, you know, know, know how to better respond to that, then uh, please get that. I hope you would find that uh, really helpful yourself. So, uh, the lesson I want to give uh, this morning is called, Even This uh, Shall Pass Away. Uh, There's an ancient legend about a Persian king who was discouraged, dejected, and sad. And he called for his chief advisors and wise men and court wizards and charged them to invent a motto that would ease his pain during times of difficulty. He imposed three conditions relative to the wording of this motto. Number one, not only did it have to encourage him in times of trouble, but also the sentiment 
had to be appropriate to keep him humble and grateful during times of prosperity and happiness. Thirdly, the motto had to be concise enough to be engraved on a ring, which he intended to always wear on his middle finger. So the wise men, they all got together and they thought and they thought, but nobody could come up with such a motto. Finally and unexpectedly, the king's daughter presented him with a ring bearing these magic words. Even this shall pass away. In other words, nothing lasts forever. Not sorrow, not fame, not fortune or pain. Nothing lasts forever. And if it's true that all good things must come to an end, then surely that must mean also that all bad things must come to an end. Now, bad times and problems and times of crisis, my goodness, they surround us, don't they? In fact, I would think it's fair to say that life just seems to be made up of trying to find solutions to problems. And as soon as one problem is solved, another one appears. I don't know if I've ever had a time in my life when there's just like zero problems. But troubles come in different forms and in different measures. More month than money, unemployment, difficulties in relationships, that aching back, that broken down car, that visa bill whose amount due never seems to decrease when we're lonely and isolated, when we're filled with guilt or shame, when people that we trust disappoint us, or when we disappoint ourselves. When we feel that the church maybe has let us down. Or when we can't seem to move those mountains no matter how hard we pray. These are challenges that everyone is familiar with from one degree to another. But then there are those times when life gets really serious. And we face life-altering crisis. Critical illness in yourself or someone that you love. Bankruptcy. Separation. Chronic pain. Addiction. Depression. The death of a loved one. When crises like these or others enter your world, either in your life or in somebody that you love, I think it's helpful for us to remember that God has designed it so that we can recover that even in these things, whether the crisis is big or small, even this shall pass away. You know, and the Bible is actually full of examples of this happening. In the book of Job, one of the so-called friends of uh, Job was a man by the name of Zophar. Now, as you read the book of Job, you recognize pretty quickly that he was a guy who really didn't have too much good to say. Friends like this you don't need. However... He did utter this one prophetic truth in Job's life in Job 11:16. He said this, You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. In other words, Job, even though you've got boils all over your body, even though your family has been wiped out, even though your life has fallen apart, I'm telling you, Job, even this will pass away. You know, have you ever committed a sin so grievous that you thought you could never be forgiven or recovered? 
You know, David had that feeling. After David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered on the front lines, the Lord said this regarding to the punishment that he would give David in 1 Kings 11.39. Get this. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. In other words, the punishment that David would receive, his descendants would receive, regardless of how terrible the sin was of David, even this would pass away. You know, regarding how, treats all, how God treats all of us as, during times of rebellion and sin, it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, For God's anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. God says to each one of us, in other words, even this shall pass away. So it is a biblical truth that nothing in this world, no problem, trouble, or crisis lasts forever. Even this shall pass away. You know, I believe actually this is a gift from God. And it needs to encourage us when we're in the middle of our troubles. It means that no adversary, no trial, no temptation, no problem, no crisis is permanent. It means that all suffering is only temporary. Oh yeah, guy, well what about physical pain? Well, ever had a migraine headache that you thought would never go away? It did. Ever have a broken bone, a twisted ankle? A sty in your eye, a bad toothache, or some surgery that you thought you'd never heal from? You did. And at those times when nothing else seems to help, not the power of positive thinking, not drugs, not anything, at such times, God wants to remind you that no pain lasts forever. I mean, again, even Job's discomfort was only temporary. The boils did eventually leave him. Even Christ's agony on the cross had an end to it. Mercifully, it lasted only six hours. What about anxiety? Oh my goodness. Watching the news, that can certainly cause you some anxiety, can't it? Yet I can tell you that whatever the world is upset about today, it will soon be forgotten. Events that once caused the world tremendous anxiety in years past are long gone now, and they're forgotten. Well, of course, it would be ridiculous for me not to mention the obvious as we live in a world of COVID. Of course, we pray for people's safety as we did this morning. We pray for those who are sick. But one day, sooner or later, this current situation will be talked about in the past tense. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it'll happen. Just like the H1N1 pandemic of 2009. Just like the SARS breakout of 2003. Just like the H3N2 pandemic of 1968. Just like the H2N2 pandemic of 1955. And just like the H1N1 pandemic of 1918. I mean, no disrespect intended for those who have suffered or lost loved ones, but as is always the case, eventually the world moves on. I mean, even 9-11 now is over 20 years old and taught about in schools as history, as a historical event. So what do you have anxiety 
over today about terrorism, the economy, the high cost of living, difficult relationship, or global pandemics, don't worry, even this will pass away. Events and people that once caused the world tremendous anxiety in years past are long gone and almost forgotten. What about temptation? You know, even here, God promises relief. I mean, no temptation lasts forever. I mean, there was a time in Jesus' life when he was tempted by the devil himself. Time and time again, Satan tried his best to get Jesus to sin. But time and time again, Jesus held on to righteousness and refused to give in. In Luke 4, verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished all his tempting. I mean, consider that word, all. I mean, imagine being tempted by the devil himself. And he pulls out everything out of his toolbox. He does everything he can to get you to sin. Imagine what Christ must have been under. But Luke 4.13 says, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him, he left Jesus for a more opportune time. In other words, the temptations ended. Not only will God not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, not only will he always give you a way up, but no temptation lasts forever. I know it doesn't feel that way when you're in the midst of your temptations, but this is truth. A lot of times we're in different situations in life and we'll think, I just have to do this. I can't help myself. I just have to say those nasty and harmful things to my wife or to my husband. I'm mad. I'm ticked off. I can't believe she said that to me or did that to me. Or I can't believe he said or did this. I just have to have that toothpaste out of the tube moments. No, you don't. Calm down. Keep your mouth shut. Even this will pass away. I just can't control my temper with my children. Yes, you can. No, you see, I just can't control my emotions. Or maybe you hear gossip or slander. You know, and, and you just want to tell someone else, I heard this about this person. Oh, and I just want to get on the phone and, you know, tell these people what I heard about this person. Gossip. I, I just, I mean, I just, I just can't control myself. Yes, you can. It's not your business to spread other people's personal private information. You can stop yourself. No, I, I just have to look at that website. You don't believe you have the power to say no to sexual purity. Sexual impurity and to fantasy. You know what? You do. Just slow down. Calm yourself. According to what the Bible tells us here, soon the temptation will leave you. It's true, it may come back again. <laughs> but you can handle it one temptation at a time. You know, whatever you're facing, the enticement of sin, just remember, if you just wait a few minutes, just pause long enough, even this will pass away. What about sorrow? Well, wow, sorrow, that's a different kind of pain, isn't it? Sometimes more hurtful than any physical kind of suffering that you can endure. Sometimes we can go through a grief that is so intense, it makes us physically ill. Have you ever been there? When you just couldn't eat, you couldn't sleep, 
You couldn't face people because you were so emotionally disoriented. I mean, experiencing crisis and problems in our lives is no excuse to stop living out our Christian faith. You know, when my wife Kathy was dying, uh, as I watched her live her final year, I would say one of the things that she taught me the most is that there is no circumstance so dire, no problem so great, no difficulty so challenging that it gives us an excuse to stop living as a Christian. You know, uh, when we first found out she was ill, of course, we tried to spend as much time together as a family as possible. And, and she eventually got to the point where, uh, you know, she was wheelchair bound. And then uh, during that stage, she knew that her opportunities of being able to get out of the house was quickly uh, coming to an end. And she wanted to go to church one last time. And the church that we were going to go to was about an hour and a half away. And so on uh, the Saturday night, she was like, honey, I want to go to church tomorrow. But by then, uh, Kathy was partially blind and in a wheelchair. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, go to a church service. Oh, wow. Like that would be so daunting in her condition. So I said, honey, you know, it's fine. We, we'll just have communion at home. Say a prayer. You know, that's an hour and a half away, an hour and a half home, in a wheelchair with lots of people around. I said, you know, let's not. She goes, no, I want to go. I was like, honey, please, let's just. She goes, I want to go. I was like, okay, how are you going to argue with a dying woman? So I said, okay, Sunday morning we got up and we put the wheelchair in the back of the pickup and we drove the hour and a half and went to the church service. It was wonderful. Kathy loved the service, loved the singing. It was great. Well, on the way home, we were on a highway. It's called the Highway 400, and we're going north to where we lived, north of Toronto. Pretty major highway, lots of cars, very busy. Uh, my son, Greg, was sitting in the back seat. I was driving. Kathy was beside me in the pickup. And as we were driving along, uh, she broke out into a seizure and just started shaking uncontrollably, bent over, started foaming at the mouth. Of course, I'm driving down the highway 110 kilometers, 120 kilometers an hour. And my wife is seizing, and my son in the back seat is screaming. And so uh, I thought, uh, I just need to get to a hospital. But then I thought, I don't even, where is a hospital? And I, can't go, I don't want to go faster than I'm going. We're going to kill somebody here. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to pull off on the side of the highway, and we're going to call an ambulance. So I pulled off, put my four ways on. Kathy continued to seize. I was holding her. Uh, eventually the ambulance arrived and uh, they took Kathy out of the truck and put her in the back of the ambulance and they said, follow us. And uh, so we followed them to uh, the closest hospital. And when we got there, the, uh, she was on a gurney. The seizures had stopped, but apparently they had continued in the ambulance. And uh, so... The ambulance attendant came up and said, uh, said to us and said to Kathy lying on the gurney, Mrs. Hammond, uh, me and my uh, partner are leaving now, but you're in good hands. And, uh, you know, I just want you to know, I really appreciate what you told me in the back of the ambulance. Uh, that, I'll really think about that. Thank you. 
And Kathy said, great, thank you. And so he left. So I looked at Kathy and I said, what did you say to the ambulance attendant in the back of the ambulance? And she said, well, uh, in between one of my seizures, I just told him that I was fine. Uh, I, I knew I was dying. But I was not afraid of death because I'm a Christian and I believe my sins are forgiven. And I know when I die, I'm going to go and be with God forever. So I'm not afraid. So I told the ambulance attendant, if you want to have the same confidence I have, when your time comes to go through this, you need to read your Bible and go to church. And I was just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, I've not invited anybody to church in months. I've not shared my faith. I've not told anybody about Jesus. I've not even thought about that. And here you are in the back of an ambulance in between seizures and you're inviting the ambulance attendant to church and telling him he should read his Bible? I was like, who are you? You know, uh, Kathy was also really intent on trying to enjoy life. And she was a very active woman, loved hiking and, you know, skiing and you know, me, I'm the one on the couch eating Doritos and watching TV all the time. She's the one who's trying to be active all the time. And uh, she loved swimming and loved being in the lake. And uh, anyway, um, it was in uh, January of 2018, not long after that church service we went to. And uh, so it's cold out. It's, you know, I'm not going to try to convince you how cold it gets right here in Winnipeg, but you know, it was about minus 25, minus 30. We lived near a lake. And uh, so my son uh, called up to me and he said, hey, dad. I was like, yeah. He goes, hey, I'm, I'm going down to the lake. I'm going to put on my skates and play some hockey. I was like, all right, have a good time. But a minute later, he calls up and goes, hey, dad. What? Uh, Mom wants to go down to the lake in her wheelchair. I was like, tell her no. We're not taking her down to the lake. Of course, it's minus 25, minus 30, 20, minus 30, and I don't want to go down to the lake. Uh, but a minute later, he calls up again. He says, hey, Dad, what? You better get down here. Why? If Mom wants me to put her coat on. She's going down to the lake. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I went downstairs. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I want to go skating. I was like, honey, you're in a wheelchair. You can't, you can't go skating. She said, well, can't we take the wheelchair in the back of the pickup? We drive out onto the lake, and, you know, you push me around. Oh, good Lord, this woman's going to kill me. So I said, okay, that's fine. So we got the pickup truck, we threw it in the back, threw the wheelchair in the back, got her down to the lake. My son put his skates on and started pushing around the lake, and she just had her arms out, and she's like, yeah, she's screaming and having a great old time, and here's this woman dying of cancer, and she's like, no, man, I'm going to do everything I can to enjoy my life. It was only uh, about six months later when uh, Kathy was near death, and the doctor had come and told us, you know, this is near the end now. You should make sure everything you want to say is said. So I went into Kathy's room. She was in a hospital by now. And I said, honey, is there anything you, you want to do before you die? And she said, I want to go swimming. I thought she was going to ask for like a creamsicle or something, you know, like, I was like, 
by now she's blind and paralyzed. She only had movement in one arm. She, other than that, she was completely paralyzed. She hadn't been under this bed now in a couple of months. And uh, so I went out into the hall and I found the doctor and I said, listen, can you talk to her? Like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but her final wish is to go swimming. I mean, obviously we're not doing that. Can you explain this to her? And the doctor said to me, well, why can't you go swimming? And I said, well, isn't it obvious? The doctor said, honestly, she's only got a few days. What's the worst that could happen? I was like, that's a good point. So we hired a six-man ambulance crew and called a provincial park, got permission, hired a nurse to come with us, and we carried her out into a lake and plopped her down. We called her mother, or her elderly mother, her brothers and her sister. We called our friends. Everybody brought food. We had a big picnic. And uh, we, we took the woman swimming for one last time. You know, as I watched how Kathy lived her life as she was dying, dying of a brain tumor was no excuse to her to stop living out her Christian faith, to share her faith, to celebrate life, to be kind and giving, and to love spending time with her family. In fact, she used that life-altering weakness in her life to become an example to so many. I know that your problems are real. I know your pain is severe. I know life is difficult for you. But don't ever use those realities as your excuses to stop glorifying and honoring Jesus with your life. Use them as catalysts to go and do something great for God. Let your weaknesses become your strength. You know, in closing, I'd like to show you this. Um, In April of 2018, she died in August. You know, of course, we have this ministry and... um, We have supporters, people who give us money. And uh, we wanted to send something to them just to say thank you and catch them up on how Kathy was doing. So we did a little interview with Kathy and uh, just asked her some questions about what it's like to be dying and what has she learned through this experience. And she talked about a few things. And, of course, uh, she's gone now. But due to the marvels of modern technology, I thought, I'm going to share just a small portion of this with you of the interview with Kathy uh, just, just months before she passed. And she's going to share here, the question is, what do you want to pass on to your kids uh, as you get ready to die? And, uh, you know, her words are very uh, meaningful and poignant and powerful and really speaks to the heart and attitude she had to uh, getting ready to die. So uh, I hope that you'll find this encouraging. It's not too long. It's pretty short. We're almost done now, but hopefully you'll find this uh, encouraging. What would you say that you'd like your children to to think of you um, as they're going through this time of um, 
watching their lives unfold before them, what would you say you'd want them to to take away from your life and your legacy? Mm, that's great. Yeah, I've thought a lot about that actually, and I, I mean, I obviously want them to love God. Um, I want them to want to be with God, and and that is what I think every day to the point where I think it's made them actually think I'd rather be with God than with you. <laughs> and they voiced that. <laughs> so I had to, have to be careful because I do want to be with God. It is, though. It's, it's a yeah. real pull. Like, it's a real, you know, we're, we all know we're going to die. We all know we're going to face that. We all know if we're Christians, we're going to get to go and spend time with God. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to think about. I mean, he promises he's got this place prepared for us. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want my kids to think that's a place I want to be. I can't wait to get there. But, yeah, I want my kids to know that the time God gave me here on earth, I used well and made good choices with that and poured myself out if if I could be so bold as to you know say that mm-hmm. but um, but that my desire truly was to be with God <laughs> wow we can see honey Wow. Go, honey. It's like you're in the Olympics. Seriously, eh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are definitely getting all tens for me, honey. Wow. Amazing. Oh, yes. There you go. Can you do a trolley? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh my gosh, honey. How you doing, hon? Yeah, good. All right. Hi, honey. You're looking great, hon. You okay? Come
You see, even in crisis, you can still share your faith, talk to people about Jesus. You can still help others. You can still be kind. You can still forgive. You can still be positive in your spirit and your outlook in life and serve your church and your community and be kind to your family. You can still live out your Christian faith. In fact, if there's ever a time to let your light shine to a lost and dying world, to your friends and to your family, to a group of people who might be terrified of crisis, it's when we as Christians are in crisis to show that we are not of this world. So what's your problem today? Financial insecurity, perhaps? Even this shall pass away. Unhappy romance, perhaps. Even this shall pass away. A broken home. Unemployment. Maybe you're in school fearing that you're never going to graduate. Or are you lonely this morning? Are you grieving? Maybe the passing of a loved one. Yeah, I know. But even this shall pass away. Listen, folks. All of life is fleeting. Remember this. Only heaven is lasting. Only love lasts forever. Only God is from everlasting to everlasting. Only His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is without end. And it is these that the Christian pins his and her hopes and aspirations, because these divine things shall never pass away. Meanwhile, this side of the grave, nothing lasts forever. Not your physical pain, emotional pain, your anxieties, your temptations, and even your terminal illnesses, like the ancient Persian king, who needed daily reminders, we too need to keep reminding ourselves amid our crisis that even this shall pass away.